Full morning, lots of things to celebrate and lots of um, excitement going on. Um, uh, and so, I was not originally planning on preaching this morning. Um, I'm filling in for Mike this week. Uh, some of you have saw in an email that went out to our prayer request chain that, uh, that Mike's father-in-law, Sandy's, Sandy's father, Vern, um, his health uh, started rapidly declining earlier this week. Um, so Mike and I decided that it'd be best for him to be able to spend, spend time with his family um, this past week. And so I stepped in. Um, and just an update on that is that yesterday, um, according to what I've heard, Vern did end up passing away. Um, so, so please uh, be praying for the Sindelars, uh, for Sandy especially. It's a hard time. They've, and they've known this has been a possibility for a while, but it's still hard. Um, and so uh, just, just be lifting them up in your prayers, um, especially today. Uh, I got a text from him this morning that they were headed down to southern Minnesota to start um, preparations for, um, for the funeral and, and things like that. So, so please be praying for them, and um, I'll be, I'm filling in this morning. And I know I don't actually have a, a lot of time left in the service because we have done so much um, to celebrate uh, the kids' ministry here at Valley this morning. It's such an exciting time to be able to just pause and celebrate. It's one of my, it's one of my Sundays that I look forward to every year. A lot, honestly, part of it is because of the picnic, so I'm a little disappointed that that's not happening this morning. Um, I, I enjoy a good cookout. But more important is the, is the things that we have seen here this morning, the giving of the Bibles to the second graders, um, the, the pictures, the, the I am statements that you can see around you. These are important things. And um, so with the time that we have left this morning, I just wanted to share some of my thoughts Specifically regarding our identity, our identity in Christ. Um, last, I think it was maybe probably a year and a half ago, I remember Mary Lou saying at a staff meeting that she had this idea for Power Up this year, the time where our, our Sunday school classes for kids and youth are together before Sunday school. Um, that happens after the service every week. She said that she wanted to spend some time talking about identity. She, and so she started planning out the whole year of, of these I am statements. And the reason for that, is, and I, I think I don't have to say too much about it for you to, to, to catch on, is that we live in a world of constant information. And, and each generation has its challenges, right? When you're raising the next generation, each generation has its challenges. And for the most part, I mean, the, the saying from Ecclesiastes goes that there's nothing new under the sun. And that's true. The challenges that each generation face are just kind of repackaged challenges from previous generations. So uh, bullying, for instance. Uh, bullying is always a problem. People always bully one another. Today, that problem looks more like bullying that happens online because of the age of the digital age that we live in. And so we live in an age where we're facing the same problems but in different ways. And the different ways, um, a lot of the problems come through the unprecedented access we have to information, right? We have so much access to information at our fingertips. We can find out almost anything we want to do. And for, for one, on the one hand, that's a good thing because we can access truth and we can find out what is true. But as, tr as access to truth rises, so does access to untruth, to lies, to deception, to misinformation. And probably even more so, there's probably more false things online than there are true things, I would guess. I don't, I don't think I'm going too far out on a limb to say that, right? There is a lot of, there's a lot of deception and a lot of lies that are out there. And so as we pause and we, we think about 
raising kids in an age where there is so much misinformation out there. It's kind of scary, and it's kind of challenging, and, and um, it's overwhelming. I, I get overwhelmed by it, and I don't even have kids yet. Um, and I, I, was, I, I like stats, if you're interested in stats, just to demonstrate how bad the problem is. Facebook, they kind of release statistics regularly about how many fake accounts they take down. Last year, I think it was from April to November, about a six-month span, they took down 1.5 billion fake accounts. There's only 2 billion people, okay, only. There's 2 billion people on Facebook. That's still a lot of people. But they, in, a, in a year, they almost took down more fake accounts than were real accounts online, which is just crazy. And those accounts, people usually don't create fake accounts for good reasons, right? It's not that they want to spread more truth by creating more fake accounts. They do that to spread misinformation, to cause doubt, to push some kind of agenda or to push some kind of message. And usually that message is super harmful. So you can get overwhelmed by that. And you can try to, try to teach the next generation all of the different ways that they're going to be attacked and the lies that they're going to be told. Or you can focus on what's true. And especially under attack today, I think, is the identity of a person. You're told what you ought to be or what you can be or what you can't be. And there's just so much, there's such a big cloud around who we are, were created to be. There's so many lies and so many twistings of the truth that are out there. And so that's why I love these I am statements. Because they focus on the truth. We, we saw here that when, when Satan brings accusations against us, brings lies and deceptions against us, God reminds us of the truth of who we are, that you are loved, you are redeemed, you are reconciled. I'm not going to go through all of the statements, but it's, it's, Mary Lou said that she would print these for you. I think that'd be a good thing for us to all have is these I am statements, especially for the kids. But I think for us as well, we, would, we forget who we are sometimes. And in order to cut through all of the noise and all of the misinformation, we need to hang tightly to that which is true and the realities of what we are true. So I could try to go through all 22 I am statements of this morning but, and preach through all of those, but I don't know if that would work with the time that we have left. So I decided that I, I, I thought it would be good to just focus on a passage of Scripture that kind of speaks into this. And I, and I find that in 1 John chapter 2. Is where it starts, and we'll, we'll go through three. Um, there's, these verses are important. And I find 1 John a good place to go to when you're, when you're thinking about that which is true, if you just need a quick reminder. For one thing, it's not a terribly long book, so it's a, it's a good read. And John just has such good thoughts and theology packed into here. But the reason that John wrote 1 John, he wrote this letter because they were having a problem with false teachers. They were having a problem where people were disagreeing or, or making claims about Jesus and Jesus' identity that weren't true. They were claiming that Jesus was fully God, but was not really ever fully man. They were making other claims about the, the identity of Christ. And those claims about the identity of Christ trickled down into the identity of people. And it caused major problems. And so John 
he, he addresses that problem in 1 John. He addresses that problem head on. But he does so from a foundation and, an, and a strategy of love and understanding. And one of which he wants to correct and point people to that which is true. And remind them of who they are, who Jesus is, and how they should live as a result of that. So 1 John is a great place to go on a Sunday like this. Um, and so I just want to read uh, a portion of this and, and talk about it for a few minutes. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 28 is where I'll start, and I'll read through verse, or through verse 3 of chapter 3. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence, and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know he, that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not love us, or does not know us, is that it does not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself, and he, as he, is pure. As I read those few verses, I see, I see some, maybe some instructions, some, some challenges for us to remember our identity. And the first thing I wanted to talk about is that John is calling us to be confident. And I know confidence is often and easily mistaken for arrogance. Um, and, it's, and there's kind of a fine line between being confident and being arrogant. Being confident means that we know the truth. We are not going to be convinced otherwise of the truth, and we live in the reality of that truth. Being arrogant is when we take that knowledge and we use it as a blunt instrument against someone else. We, we use it and we say, well, this makes me better than someone else. And John doesn't want us to be arrogant. I, Paul, in... in his letter to the Romans says that we have been saved by grace through faith, not by our own works, not by what we've do, done so that we can't boast, but by grace alone we've been saved. We're saved and we are made righteous not by anything we've done so that we can't become arrogant about it, but we are saved by grace and we are called to be confident in that fact that we have been saved by grace. And this confidence comes... Because as in verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The NIV translation, I like it where it says, See what kind of love the Father has lavished upon us. The Father loves us so much. Not only that he sent Jesus to die for us, but he has adopted us into his family. And that we might be called sons and daughters of his. That's an amazing reality. And being called sons and daughters of God means that we can have confidence. Confidence in who our father is. Confidence in what he is calling us to do. Because he's the one who holds the world in his hands and we can call him father. That is the foundation of confidence that is unshakable. And John knows that. 
And he knows that if the world is throwing lies and deception at you, you have to remember who your father is and what your father says about you, who you are. And with that confidence, we, have, we, we not only have confidence in who we are, but we have confidence in the future. Verse 28 um, says that when he appears, Jesus, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. We have confidence in a lot of things about the future. And now confidence doesn't mean we know 100% everything that's going to happen. That's, that's different. That's just knowing the future. Confidence and, and trust and faith are, are kind of all tied together here. We have confidence that Jesus is coming back. We have confidence that he's going to make all things new. We have confidence that we will be made like him. And there's things we don't know. But that doesn't shake our confidence because we know that it will be good and it will be right and it will be pure. So we can have confidence in the future. He reiterates that in verses 2 to 3. Um, when he says that, that when he appears, we know that we will be made like him. So we have confidence that that will happen. We don't yet know exactly. The, the interesting thing that John notes here is we don't know exactly what Jesus will really look like when he comes back again. Because we haven't yet seen it fully. We've seen a reflection of it, yes, but we haven't yet seen it fully. But we know that when he does come back, we will be made like him. All of, all of those things that are not like Christ, that are in us, will be washed away, will be taken out of us, and we will be made righteous once and for all. And so I think that's important. We have this confidence in the future. And, and, and so it's important for us to be confident in that. Not arrogant, not, not prideful, but confident. Confident that God is our Father. Confident that he has all of this under his control. And at the same time, as we think about the future, he also calls us to be prepared. To be prepared for that day. Uh, verse 28 says that, that our confidence that... Um, he says, and now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Um, we know Jesus is coming back, so we ought to live like it, right? Um, there's always the, the, the two main ways to live in light of Jesus coming back. There's the, the one way where you kind of treat it like your parents coming home. Uh, if you think back to when you were younger and your parents gave you a list of chores to do. And you're like, well, as long as I get it done before they come home, right? It's fine. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, shoot, it's 4 o'clock. They're coming home at 4.30, and I haven't even started yet. So you quick hurry and do everything, and like, oh, I, I, I kind of cleaned everything. I, I am guilty of that a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's that attitude where it's like, well, Jesus is coming back. It, it probably is not going to be this week, so, you know, next week, next year, Next year, next year, I'll, next year I'll fulfill the Great Commission. Next year I'll start sharing my faith. Next year, you know, I'll do that. And I, I think we're all guilty of that at some point or another. And that's not a good attitude. That's not being prepared for when Jesus comes back. That's cramming for a final exam. But then on the other hand, um, you have the disciples in Acts chapter 1, who as soon as Jesus left, 
They just stared at the sky waiting. Like, he said he'd be back. Does that mean like 10 minutes? <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he was hungry and had to go. I don't know where he went. Somewhere in the middle of those two is preparation. Where we're not missing what's going on around us because we're staring constantly at the sky. But we're also not putting off that which God has called us to do until the last possible minute. In between there, we have been prepared. And that is something that we ought to do. The EFCA, in our statement of faith, we describe this as constant expectancy. Uh, that's it from, pulled directly from our statement of faith, talking about the return of Christ. We are called to be constantly expectant, which means we are waiting and we, we are longing for the day where Christ returns and makes all things new because we are confident in our identity in Christ. But it, while we are longing and while we are waiting, we are being faithful to that which we have been called to do here now. And the way that we do that John says this a lot. He says it in verse 28. He says it many times in John chapter 15, if you're familiar with that. The way that we remain faithful is simply to remain in Christ, to abide, to live, to dwell in Christ, to, to make that our home, to make that the place we go to, to abide in him, to keep his commandments, to keep his instructions. So that's how we can be prepared, by abiding in Christ, by knowing him. Um, I want to read a little bit more, and I know we're running short on time, but uh, I think there's a few things I just want to close up with this morning. So if we continue on in 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 4, it says this, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is, there, nor is the one who does not love his brother. What we see in these verses is kind of dueling loyalties. On the one hand, we know that as children of God, we are called to be righteous. And that righteousness, as I mentioned earlier, that righteousness doesn't come from what we do, but it comes from the being born again into God's family. That righteousness, the source of righteousness is from God and from God alone, and it comes as our inheritance in God's family. And as we live and abide in that family, we are called to be righteous. It's a, it's a simple commandment. Um, and, and John knows it's simple. And he kind of he has like a, well, obviously, moment multiple times in this passage where he's like, 
Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Yes, we, we kind of get that, right? If you practice righteousness, if you do what is right, you are righteous. It's a basic thing, but man, do we struggle with that. Uh, earlier in 1 John, in 1 John chapter 1, uh, he says that if you claim to be without sin, you are deceiving yourself. Everyone sins. Even people who have been adopted into God's family. And John uses strong language here, and he makes it seem, well, if you sin, then you're no longer a part of God's family, but you're a, a child of the devil. And that's a strong statement. And to, to put to rest any concerns, that doesn't, John is not saying here that if you sin after you've been saved, then, sorry, there goes your salvation. That's not what he's saying. Jesus came and he defeated sin and he defeated Satan's grip on us. And once we are saved, we are secure. We can be confident in that. But when we sin, not if, but when we sin, in that moment or in that period where we're living in sin, we are choosing to go back to our former master of sin. We are choosing to live under the dominion of Satan, under, under that family, if you will. We are choosing that in those moments. And we are, we are demonstrating that sin, um, well, for one, the devastating power of sin. That's when Jesus had to come and destroy it. And that's why we have such great hope for the future that once and for all, sin will be wiped away. So John isn't saying that we are, um, we're kind of walking the thin line. If we step off, we're, we're in trouble. John is telling us to recognize that when we sin, we are living as if sin is still in control. And that's no way to live as righteous children of the king. We all do it. And it's, and it's easy. Satan can use that as, a, as a, a weapon against you, where if you sin as God's children, he said, well, he doesn't love you anymore. That's why it's so important to remember that we are justified, we are made right, and nothing can snatch us out of the Father's hand. The point is, is simple. We are secure in Christ, and he has called us to be righteous. That is, that is what we ought to seek to do. And that, it's such a simple commandment, be righteous. But that is the hardest commandment, I think, to be righteous. And it requires us to constantly be dependent and be dwelling and living and, and breathing through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through our relationship with Christ. Out of that relationship can we be righteousness. There's no other way. Only through Christ can we be righteous. But that is available to us as sons and daughters of the King. Um, so this morning, I just, want, I just want you to know that in a world of misinformation, muddying the waters of junk, of, of all that stuff that you come across your path in the day, of all the lies and deception that is said about you, I want you to know that you can be confident in your standing with God, you can be confident that you are a child of the Most High God. You can, and you can be confident that you have been called to be righteous, and that righteousness comes through God the Father.
So hang on to those truths. Don't let the world knock you off of course. Don't let whatever is thrown at you distract you from the truth of who you are and who you were created to be and who you have been reconciled to. These I am statements are important <laughs> to remember. So hang on to those. Hang on to God's word and what he says about you, not what anyone else says. Hang on to this truth. Let's close our time this morning in prayer. Lord, there's so much out there that is thrown at us. Lies, deception. And the source of these lies and deception come straight from the enemy. And we pray this morning that you would, in the midst of those attacks, that you would remind us of who you have created us to be, who we are, and that you would give us the confidence in that identity that we have, that we may know who we are. It's so easy to forget sometimes. It's so easy to get caught up in the lies and deception. It's so easy to lose sight of truth. But you are the truth. And so we rest in that knowledge this morning. And we pray that you would remind us of the truth every day, every morning when we get up, that we would be reminded that we are sons and daughters of the King. And that we can be confident in that. So we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for just the celebration that we've been able to have of all that you have been doing in the lives of the kids here at Valley. We pray a blessing over them that as they grow, that they would know who they are. That they would be confident that they are who you say they are. Nothing else. So again, we are just so thankful for this morning. And we lift up the rest of our time together this morning through, through Sunday school um, and through conversations in the hallway and through the, through the business meeting that's coming later as well. We lift up that entire time to you and pray that you would move and work in it and continue to work in our lives, we pray. Amen.